Hey everyone, before we get into today's podcast, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive a personal cover. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of that we'll help you get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all listening platforms the best part is you can get all of this for 15 dollars a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge for an initial setup so whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that wants to grow hustle is an open door leveling up your sports experience acceptance in the program is limited so get your application in today, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Hello, welcome to Tuesday Morning Left Guard, which is actually showing up in your feed on Wednesday morning, because one of the two of us, I will not point any fingers on this podcast. It's not what we do in this room, in this podcast. Mm, we room. point the thumb. We'll, not, we'll, we'll point the finger that points the wrong way at Jeremiah Searle's former Viking for Wednesday Morning Left Guard this time. Well, I suppose that you're, uh, uh, you're, you, know, you didn't do anything worse than what the Vikings did on tape. Uh, against the New Orleans Saints on Christmas Day, Jeremiah. So how are you? I, I'm good. I'm good. It feels like that Vikings game was a very long time ago. It feel it feels like that game was like a year ago, mostly because I watched some good football on Sunday, and it was, it was yeah, cleanse the palate. <laughs> right. I rewatched the tape on Friday so I could get the the poop or on Saturday, excuse me, so I could get the poop taste out of my mouth before before the the going forward. Um, with the week, so rewatched it. So I'm not as angry right now. Um, we had a the reason we were late is I had to have we had an ultrasound for our baby girl today. So my bad on I forgot to schedule that. Um, terrible excuse. Terrible but, excuse. To, excuse. Totally, totally lame. Dude, and congratulations. What, what, you wonder what's terrible about it is I couldn't go because of COVID. So I had to FaceTime. Oh. I had to FaceTime the ultrasound and the doctor appointment and just sit there like, oh, cool. All right. <laughs> This is neat. So that sucked. But, yeah, everything's good. Baby's healthy. Mommy's healthy. So oh, that's great. March 21st, baby girl Searle's coming in. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so, okay, you get a pass for today. The Vikings do not get a pass for no, giving up never. 52 points. But we are also not going to break down a bunch of plays because um, you know how we joked about the left guard being the Winnebago parked outside mm. of your house? It's Winnebago's parked on every side of the house. I mean, It's an RV I, lot. Just it's, real, just, it's just an RV it's lot. Just, it's just an RV lot, which is beaten down RV. It's Trailer Park Boys. Just uh, real quick, hey, though. Ricky. So we're going to dedicate the entire episode to our love to see it, hate to see it bit mm. in almost a season in review because the off season has begun, everyone. You can watch Lions and Vikings. You can read Purple Insider's recap <laughs> of Lions and Vikings. And you know what? I am going to do a freaking film study post next week just because I love all of you about Vikings and Lions and maybe um, don't like myself or something. I will do that for everyone, but for this purpose, I think we need to do season in review, love to see it, hate to see it. So I'm just going to start out here with, with the most obvious love to see it. So 
we can save the obsessing over the Winnebago's for a little later. The love to see it is Justin Jefferson's season. Not just okay, not just good, not just showed signs for the future. <laughs> Unreal season to the point where we're legitimately mad that he's not getting the ball more often and that he doesn't have 140 targets. And just to add a little stat to that, he has a 50-50 split between throws under 10 yards and throws over 10 yards, mm. which I think needs to change because the elite receivers have usually more throws underneath because they're just being targeted all the time. So when you get to the end of the year and you're talking about Randy Moss records and you're being upset that he isn't the entire centerpiece of the offense for a rookie, that rookie is special and you love to see it. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think that he's all the way in, what is it, orange? Is that the highest? Or is uh, red? red, I think, is the Red, the do we highest. decide he's red? So red. Yeah, he's red. He's hot. He's hot. He's super hot. It's like I tell my son, hot, hot. He's hot. <laughs> and so, like, he's great, right? And that's awesome to see him. My love to see it is all the drama, all the nonsense that went on with Riley Reef preseason about we're going to cut you, we're going to trade you, take less money, and he just said, all right, I'll take less money, let me do my thing, and he balled this year. Um, he's not probably he's not going to go to the Pro Bowl or anything like that, but he was solid this year. I mean, I don't think he had huge sack numbers. don't think he had a lot of holding penalties. He really helped run the football. I really liked the way Riley Reef handled himself this year. He was what we call a true pro, professional. He didn't make noise in the media. He didn't make noise in the locker room. He just showed up to work every day and didn't miss a game, I don't think, and was just a grinder throughout the whole season and probably set himself up to get paid again. So I want you to guess how many sacks Riley Reef allowed this season. I'm gonna guess under ten. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna Way say like 10. yeah, I'm gonna say like maybe like five. One. Uno. One. Pro Football I, I Focus credit him with so. one sack allowed and only seven quarterback hits. There are nine guys in the NFL ahead of him who did not allow a sack, and that includes like Ronnie Stanley only playing 300 snaps and Taylor Lewan only playing 200. So there are only a handful of guys who allowed fewer snap or fewer sacks than Riley Reef this year. I mean, that is because Dakota Dozier was taking all the sacks allowed from him. But yeah. in all seriousness, I mean, I think that they need to consider re-signing Riley Reef or, or extending him because he's technically under contract, but they can't go forward with that contract. Um, the professionalism that he showed is why everyone has respect for him. As Dwayne Haskins has taught us, not everyone <laughs> has uh, the idea of professionalism. But, I, I mean, I, I think uh, you couldn't have asked for a more solid left tackle season. He was healthy the whole year. And the, and if you're not sure about Ezra Cleveland, then he, I think that you have to try to extend him. Yeah, because you're not going to find a cheaper option if you need to. If you're looking to upgrade, quote upgrade air quotes, you're you're really you're not going to find a cheaper option because if you're going to look for a guy that's better in your eyes than him, it's going to cost you money. Left tackles cost you money. It's just a fact. So I think they absolutely need to look to extend him um, and let him do his thing again. And basically, I think he probably I'm looking at like a two year extension, right? Rework next year, one more year, and then you can kind of like front load that extension so you could have like kind of a dropout clause year three like here's some of your money back that we right. took from you for no right. reason basically uh, i'm just going to go back and forth between love to see it and hate to see it. it's called balanced journalism jeremiah mm. 
Um, hate to see it is Ezra Cleveland play right guard this year as much as he did and really struggle. I mean, in the run game, I thought he did a good job. He showed his athleticism at first. He, you know, kind of was making his way through, but once they got some tape on him, it was really ugly. And I will give him credit because the guy played through an injury against Chicago. He had to face Akeem Hicks. He got worked last week against Cam Jordan uh, to the point where you were like worried about his safety. Um, and, I mean, there, I, I really mean it like the kid got whipped. And he kept coming back every week and he didn't give up and he didn't pull like a Drew Samil where you looked at him on the sideline and said, someone take this guy out of the game. This guy cannot play in the NFL. I didn't feel that way, but mm-hmm. I felt like I don't think that this experiment was a good idea. I think you would have rather kept him on the bench or kept him on the left side if you were going to play him guard and not switch him over to that side because he has allowed the most sacks and I think the fourth most pressures over the last three weeks when they've actually played some good defenses. And it just has not turned out to be a great situation. And I don't know how much he can take from this to next year to grow into the player they want him to be. And I don't even know where they're going to play him. I agree. I, I think that he didn't get a. I also don't think he got a full fair shake. I think he got put in a no win situation or a hard to win situation, right? The coaches didn't do the best job giving him the best opportunity to succeed, which is what they should have done. If he's like, hey, you're going to play only right guard, start him. Let him do it. Like, take, let him take a whole season, take your lumps, understand it, but let him be the guy. This, well, we don't know. We're going to bounce you around. We're, we're going to end a year with no off season, kind of figure it out. Like, that's just not fair to the kids. So I don't think you got a fair shake. I think I'm going to give him one more year before I, I hit the full eject button on him. But I have a very sneaky suspicion that there will be another position change coming for him based off of what they're going to do at left guard and what they're going on. So my hate to see it is you let a guy who is now starting in the NFL for the New York Jets, Pat Fline, just walk off your team. And you just you just cut him when you know you have problems with depth. You know you have issues at the guard center position. You have a proven veteran who's going to make money next year off of the performances he's doing for the Jets right now. Pat's playing good football. No, I know no one's watching the Jets, but he's playing pretty damn good football up there. And you just told him to get out. And that's a guy that, in my mind, has done everything you've asked him. Came in, started as a rookie at center. He comes in, he moves to guard next year because you say, hey, he drafted another center in the first round. And then he moves to the other side to play the other guard because the other guard's incompetent. And then you're like, hey, I know you got hurt, bye. I just think they handled that really poorly. I think that they, they don't shouldn't handle that players that way. Um, if a player puts his heart and soul in that team for you, he he's earned the right to play even if he does get injured. So I think they handled that poorly and they should not have let Pat leave the, the team. Let me expand on that just a little because I think a lot of people would go like, eh, did you really hate to see it? I mean, it didn't really matter. And that's true. But these things do resonate in the locker room. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're talking about two guys who, I mean, Elfline, everyone knows in the locker room how much the guy's been through over the last couple of years. Right. With the injuries that he went through in 2017, the position changes, all that sort of stuff. And I don't think anyone would argue that it went great. Um, but players respect other guys who kind of tough it out and keep battling through those types of things. And so you have a captain in Riley Reef, who is the ultimate professional, and then another guy who gave everything he could for you. And, you know, they're not treated well. And these are also linemen. I think there's like a, a really 
particular respect for the way linemen carry themselves in general. And when you mistreat them as an organization, it just doesn't sit well with anybody, I think. And really since 2017, I have felt like there have been too many instances of this. And even going back to, I remember with uh, Teddy and the tolling his contract thing, and there have been just a number of these that have sort of built up where it's little culture issues or little distrust issues that have happened where when you ask kind of what's the difference, I think that that's part of the difference, and that definitely falls under I hate to see it. Yes, absolutely. I'll say you love to see it that uh, Eric Hendricks played at an all-pro level until he got hurt, Mm. and uh, you have a top three linebacker in the NFL that deserved a Pro Bowl, deserved an all-pro, and just had a tough break at the end of the season. But for all the nonsense that was happening around Eric Hendricks, this year. I mean, you had corners who didn't know where they were going. You had frustrated safeties. You had defensive linemen who just were getting pushed back 10 to 15 yards on some plays. And Eric Hendricks, not only that, but also the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee and somebody who gave his heart to the community as well, which I think is meaningful on an even different level. And I've known Eric like you have for a long time. And it was something that I would chat with him about sort of off the record in the corner locker room, just, you know, you know, shooting the breeze or whatever, and to see him use his voice publicly and then continue to play at an all-pro level, you like utmost respect mm-hmm. for Eric Hendricks as a true superstar in the NFL. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you this, ultimate locker room guy too. I mean, the, the dude is an all-time dude. He, he's there for you. You knew you could call him for anything he wanted to. Like, so that was a great one. This is a weird, okay, it's kind of a love to see, but also kind of a hate to see. It's, it's a blend. The emergence of Irv Smith and Conklin, because you, you you love to see it, but then it's also like, does this mean Rudy's gone? Right, right. Like, and so it's just weird. Like, you'd love to see new emerging tight ends, new weapons in the offense. They got going, catching balls, but it's like, is this now a way of like phasing Rudy out and saying, hey, thank you again for all you've done, but you're expensive, and we have younger guys, cheaper guys that we're gonna go with, right? So it's a love to see it that way, but it would be a hate to see it because I would hate to see Kyle Rudolph leave the Twin Cities. I don't know if they would try and do something where it's like, hey, we got to take a pay cut or you got to – and Kyle might do that towards some – I'm assuming he's on the back end of his career. I don't know how much longer he wants to play. But it's like I really can't imagine – he's like the Tom Brady of going to some other team where it's like I can't imagine him not in purple. And and so seeing the emergence of those guys has been exciting, but it does make me sad thinking that Rudy might not be there much longer. Yeah, um, to add to that, you know, he is um, going to end on IR if this right. is it, which really stinks. And, you know, the another part of it, too, is I'm going to feel like for the last three years, his quarterback just never really wanted to throw it to him. And that relationship, I don't know if Kirk ever really understood that you could just throw it at him. And there was a quote, I think you mentioned it about, yeah, he's like thrown to a mattress or whatever, which I never really quite got the metaphor, but um, he didn't treat it like that. He didn't treat it like they would run these plays where it'd be a a little five-yard hitch or something just past the sticks on third and three, and uh, he wouldn't throw it. There's a linebacker there. Sorry, not going to throw it. And uh, I don't know. I think that maybe a couple of these years and for the price that they paid Kyle Rudolph, he just was underused. And, you know, he didn't publicly complain about it or anything like that. But when you're using the guy to block way more than to catch the ball over these last couple of seasons, I feel like there was 
a lot left out there to go along with um, the way that it's going to end. So, yeah, I, I agree. That is more of a, a you hate to see it. But he could also, if he ends up going somewhere, maybe to a contender mm-hmm. to get another shot. And we'll talk about whether we think that this team can be a contender in uh, in 2021. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that goes to um, you hate to see it. I'm going to say this uh, for you hate to see it. You hate to see it that there are so many things by the end of the year that you're still not really on solid ground about, which I know is vague, but I'll point to particular. The cornerbacks, Jeff Gladney and and Cam Dantzler, have shown flashes, but you hate to see that you're not really sure what you have there. Gladney struggled a lot. He is toward the bottom of the league in quarterback rating allowed. His tackling was the thing to write home about. (laughs) Not against the Saints, it wasn't. And uh, Dantzler got hurt at the end of the Saints game. That's three injuries over a year for a guy that weighs like 160 pounds. So uh, maybe a little more than that. But, I mean, he is very slender. Yeah, right. When when you see a guy get hurt like that. So I think you go into next year with Mike Hughes missed the year. That goes under the hate to see it. And, um, you know, these other corners, you just don't really know. And Holton Hill ends up getting cut. That's a tough position to be in because that position is absolutely vital to Zimmer's defense succeeding. Absolutely. And I think that the thing, and, I, and you look at the corners, we don't have a big enough corner to match up with NFL wide receivers. I mean, you, you're looking at what the NFL is going to at the cornerback position is big body receivers corners that can run with these receivers i mean a play that comes to mind is julio jones chest bumping dantzler i believe it was out of the end zone and then just sticking his foot in the ground and catching an out route at the pylon and kind of looking back at him like shoe fly don't bother me (laughs) and and you watch Devontae adams do it and you just you go down the list of these uh, I mean, you look every week at these receivers and you're like, these are big boys. I mean, D- DK Metcalf, and you've got to be able to body these dudes at the line or it's not going to work. And we don't have that guy. And as much as Rhodes may have struggled at times, he could match up with those kind of guys because Xavier was a bigger body. And so I think that that will be something that Zimmer goes out and looks for whether it be a draft, free agency, in some way, shape, or form, it's just a bigger corner that can hold up against some of these guys because those guys tore us apart this year. So the cornerback position, if you want to talk about another position – my, I'll do hate to see it not on solid ground is our defensive line. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everyone thinks like, oh, we'll get Hunter back and we'll be okay. No, not at all. Not even a little bit until you address the interior of this offensive line and Michael Pierce coming back next year will help. But until you get a dominant three technique, this defensive line is really going to struggle. I mean, you could look and be like, okay, Afadi didn't take the jump you thought he was going to take this year or wanted him to take. We didn't know if he was even capable of taking the jump that we all wanted him to take, right? He flashed last year as kind of the fourth man rotation in there. I can get some sacks when I don't play a full game. And he just didn't flash this year in that position as the the guy, the starter, taking over for Everson, right? So not what you want out of him. You miss Hunter. You freaking absolutely swing for the fences and missed on the on the on the trade with uh, Ngakwe, right? You just completely miss on that one, and so you're just that room is in shambles. Jaleel Johnson, love the guy, but my goodness, dude, you got you either got to get some lead in your pencil or do something because you're really struggling out there. And it's not a knock on the guy like Jaleel Law, but his tape has not been ideal for a three technique and it's run or pass. And so you're looking at this defensive line going, where do we start? Do we go get young guys? Do we go get veterans? Do we draft guys? Because even Holmes at times doesn't look great. He flashed it. You thought he was taking a jump and he took a huge step back towards the end of the year. So I don't think that this defensive line with the addition of Hunter and Pierce is going to take in a big turn and just turn a huge corner, right? 
it's going to take the emergence of some guys like maybe Lynch or maybe Watts or it's going to take someone to make a huge jump next year. But I just, I don't see it from the growth potential of these guys this year. There is nobody on the defensive line that I would bet on. I know not a single, not a single guy. And again, for Hunter, well, of course. Yeah. I mean, Hunter and Pierce, when they come back, those are very good NFL players. One of them's a superstar. Yeah. But the the guys this year that they all laid bets on, and this goes under this plays right off of that to my you hate, uh, hate wait do I have you love to see it okay I'll get to this one later um, but just playing off of that real quick a stat for you from 2016 to 2019 the Vikings drafted 17 defensive players not a single one of them is good or here like I mean Trey Wayne's is pretty good but he's not here and Mackenzie Alexander is okay but he's not here and the rest of them have all gone the route of a Jalen Holmes Jaleel Johnson like you know what to add to yours there's no magic no. finger to wave as a coach. There's no coach who has the secret formula that can suddenly just wave a magic wand and Jaleel Johnson can play. That's not how it works. Daniil Hunter is great because of Daniil Hunter. So anyway, that's uh, just the point to be made there. Um, in terms of you love to see it, a healthy season for Delvin Cook and a great season, uh, one of the best seasons in Vikings history by a running back. It is not Delvin Cook's fault that they are obsessed with Delvin Cook. He does the job that he's asked to do, and uh, he showed remarkable durability this year. He got his ass kicked at times throughout yeah. games, and he bounced back, and he came back in, and, and he fought hard all the way through and was even fighting hard all the way at the end of the New Orleans game. And uh, huge respect for Delvin Cook and staying healthy for him this year. We'll see where it goes from here because of his usage. It's always tough to do it a couple of years in a row, but that was the big question. Can he stay yeah. healthy? Can he stay healthy? He proved it. He proved he could have a really, really great running back season. Yeah. I mean, the the worry is the Christian McCaffrey effect, right? Like, so everyone's gonna be like, should we draft Alvin cook number one overall next year? And then Christian McCaffrey that came off this huge usage year just fell apart at the seams this mm-hmm. year, right? His body just couldn't keep up with it. So that is an absolute huge worry. You look at guys in the past that have had this type of usage, Todd Gurley comes to mind and you're just like these dudes, the NFL is so physical, man. It's really hard for these guys year in and year out to be able to just maintain the workload that you're going to be giving to them. But it's also this catch 22, like, Hey, we just gave you a bunch of money. So like, we're going to ride this horse till it dies. It's just a matter of, does it die when you're making a playoff run? Like it did for Todd Gurley. Right. So um, we're on love to see it. Right. Yes, love correct. to see it. Yes. Okay. My my love to see it is I really do think that this team kind of really banded together a little bit through the injuries. Um, it it didn't it didn't look like there was a lot of just coming apart on the sideline at each other, and it very easily in years like this, it's super easy to just come absolutely unglued at the seams. And I think that it goes all the way back to I mean even like Anthony Barr taking less money to stay here than to go to the Jets, right? Because there is something special. You talked about it in your book about the, what the locker room is and what this place has been. Now, there's been a lot of turnover, but there is a still core group of guys on that defense that is very close and very much together. And even on the offense, there's still a couple guys that are still close together. And so I think that those those bonds are kind of what really held this season from completely going off the rails and being a four win season. Right. I mean, that was a very real possibility. And so I think that, that my love to see is that this team stayed together through it all. Now you're starting to see it unravel a little bit here at the end, guys getting after each other, but through the most part, 
I thought this team did a really nice job of banding together and holding together inside that locker room. want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. There are many great designs. Someone on Twitter recently sent their John Randall shirt, and there's the Can't Stop the Thielen hats, the Tecmo Bowl throwback shirt, and much more. All of their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use the code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Soda Stick, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Another part of it is uh, they never get to really see each other in the locker room. This is also and Also, true. we don't get to go in the locker room to see how that thing looks. Um, so maybe that's part of it is uh, we just, the reporters haven't been in there to see any issues that have been going on. But aside from that, no, I, I think, you know what I think it is? They had tone setters for the culture like Delvin Cook and Eric Hendricks and, and Harrison Smith. Uh, and Riley Reef, guys like that who have been around. And then the rest are unproven players. So those are the guys you follow. When you have ultimate professional players who are leading the locker room, even when you're struggling, then I think you're still going to follow those guys. That, that if you're an unproven player, you're not going to go against the guys who have made all pros. And in Harrison Smith's case, I think uh, might have an argument for the Hall of Fame one day. So, I mean, yeah. that's a, a little bit of um, what what I think it is. Uh, especially because they don't necessarily have a coach that um, is going to pat anybody on the back. And, you know, that goes to my hate to see it. Hate to see it is that every time the Buffalo Bills play, Mike Zimmer gets dunked on. I mean, just (laughs) it's the truth, man. Every time they play, it's like, oh, yeah, Diggs was exactly right, wasn't he? And then, you know, Zimmer at the end of the year couldn't help himself but say our team is bad or our defense is bad. And, look, I respect his honesty and his bluntness as much as anybody, but I also know that when you say things like that, it kind of puts a target on your back. Like, well – Hey, uh, somebody didn't coach him up either. And he, you know, came out a few days later and said, I didn't have him ready, but that that's, that's already far gone from what you said right after the game. And this is sort of typical of, of Zimmer to do. And I, so I think that when it comes to, you hate to see it, it's like, all you had to do was kind of get the bus into the garage at the end here. And if you went seven and nine, everybody would go, Hey, you know what, Zimmer, you kept him fighting like, uh, on to 2021. But then you allow 52 points and you say our defense is bad and it's the worst I've ever had. It's just like, okay, well, pressure's on now, man. It's on you to fix it. So uh, I'm going to throw that under you hate to see it that Zimmer thought he could just coach up a lot of these players. I also think that a lot of decisions that get made are made because of Mike Zimmer, that he has a lot of control over the Mm -hmm. roster. And so he's got a lot to own, and he's not usually a guy that likes to own it. So I'm going to put that under you hate to see it. Well, if we're going to talk about things that he doesn't pat on the back or he doesn't help out very much, you hate to see it, Mr. Bailey, Mr. Dan (laughs) Bailey. I think you send him packing, right? You send him on his merry way, and you try again, right? Scorch earth in the kicking room again and just try again. And it's getting old, man. It's getting hard to watch. It's getting to the point where anytime someone – but I'll say this. Every kicker in the NFL is really struggling right now. Besides Justin Tucker, right? Justin Tucker yeah, just like, bam, automatic. He's the homes of it. kicking. Right. But then, I mean, you, you watch guys like Cody Parkey, and you watch even Crosby missed one the other night. You're just like, okay. But it just seems like Dan Bailey doesn't have it. 
whatever it is, like the clutch moment, walk out there and hammer it home. I mean, it just has been missing since I don't. I can't even name the last good kicker like that didn't have issues, like didn't have a, a, a like hmm. Ryan it, Longwell. I think would probably I doesn't right. Nope, don't even know. Yep. And so, like, that's something that you hate to see and you're just waiting to get fixed because I feel like – and I tell people this all the time. Like, people don't understand. Like, kickers are actually the biggest tone setter on the team. And stay with me on this. I know. Okay. What? So, say you say you score a touchdown, right? You score a touchdown and you say you have a 13-play drive. And you go score a touchdown and the kicker misses the extra point. It's the most deflating thing <laughs> Like on a sideline, like the players that scored the touchdown that are on the sideline hear the oh, and then everyone's like, oh, he missed. Like you got to be kidding me. And it, and it gives the defense a little bit of juice, right? It yeah. gives the like, all right, hey, only six points now instead of the seven, right? Even it's a very minuscule thing, but mm-hmm. it's very true. Like kickers are very tone setters. And one of my best friends in college was a kicker, and he used to tell, we used to give him be like, dude, don't miss. Like it's, and he'd look at the O line and we all turn and be like, I'm gonna kill you. But it's just. <laughs> Like it, it really is, it, and so when you have a guy, it can really be a tone setter for an entire team because it also is kind of a panicky, oh gosh, what are we gonna do type of thing when they're running out there instead of a here we go, let's knock these thing through. It's kind of like oh, is he gonna make it? Is he not? And that uneasy feeling is it can creep through everyone's minds at every time. And not only that, but um, these are guys who can set the tone for the, you know, where you get the ball. Uh, Or if you kick it to, say, Cordero Patterson, and then he runs for a touchdown. Never again. (laughs) Things like that. Uh, They were doing squibs to Patterson the next time. They're like, can you not kick it out of the back of the end zone? Or is that not a thing you you can do? Kick it out of bounds. Uh, I will say this about a, you love to see it, that, um, the team went through the season with no major COVID issues, mm. despite several teams they played, especially the Tennessee Titans, trying to give them COVID <laughs> by not telling anybody that they had it in their building and playing the Vikings. I had uh, expected no less from this team because you just knew that Zimmer would kill someone with an axe if they if they had to miss games because of it and cost them to lose. But I really think that, you know, when it comes to the hard-nosed disciplinarian and all that sort of thing, something like this is not something to mess around with. Again, Dwayne Haskins and others and, and, and the Denver Broncos quarterback room. Like, what are you guys doing? I mean, you're forcing a, a wide receiver to play quarterback for a game because you can't keep your masks on. I mean, what kind of discipline is that and leadership? And no surprise – Haskins is gone. Drew Locke ain't going to be the quarterback of the Broncos either. So, um, you know, I think it says a lot about the players they have, the leadership they have, and just like a a really good effort from them to try and keep it out of the building. I think Thielen had to miss a game. And of course, that's not to say that, you know, if someone got it, that they're, that they did anything wrong. I mean, you could get it at random, but I think that in terms of not having any spreads, not having any major issues, they did a great job and you do love to see it. Absolutely. And I think it's a, again, it goes back to the testament, like you said, the culture of the locker room of, hey, we're all going to do the right things off the field, which usually leads to success on the field. Not always, not always, but usually does. Um, I love to see it is, and I'm sad he's hurt, but CJ Ham playing an elite level again. Mm, yeah. um, I mean, he's the fullback, doesn't get a ton of love all the time, and there's only like four of them in the league, so they just kind of rotate Pro Bowls. But I think that he's still a huge part of why the running game is successful. And I know he, he had some injuries that he's been fighting through. So his levels, I know PFF didn't have him very good 
the last couple of games, but I mean, he is a hammer, right? And he loves, I think Dalvin really enjoys following him and he's really athletic to be able to get out of the backfield and at times throw the football too, and he can make guys miss. And so he's been a big part of this offense. I think Kubiak uses him in the right way. Um, and I think that that's one of the reasons that they were successful in the run game and Dalvin had the year he did. I think that there's even more, a little meat on that bone that, um, you know, to put him in motion a little more and, um, you know, I'm not saying give him the ball a ton, but the times that he got the ball, uh, he was pretty good. You know, I, I think that he could actually, because of his skill set, lean a little bit even more toward how they use Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, mm-hmm. not not the full Juszczyk because that guy's really special. Um, but uh, I thought, yeah, I mean, he had a great year blocking, and they, I think they could even do more as a weapon and a mismatch. And to give you indicators on coverages and things like that, um, I thought that um, Stefanski did a little more of that than they did this year. But um, yeah, I mean, you love when a fullback plays well. I asked CJ once if he would wear a neck roll for me and he said no but I disagree with that I think he should wear a neck roll because he's a fullback there's only like seven of them left come on I would love to wear a neck roll right why like, did you? Do they have them? Like, see. Dude, oh. you, you literally stare at your feet. Oh. Like, I remember when Fusco. I never Brandon, considered that. When Brandon Fusco had his, he would, like, turtle, like, to try and see. <laughs> his neck would be like, I'm not turtling enough for the turtle club. Like, it was horrible. I was like, dude, I don't know how you can, like, look pre-snap vintage, at anything. Man. It's vintage. That's why. You know, it's like, who wants to drive a car from the 70s for gas mileage? No, you drive it. It's not It's not safe. Is that right? It's terrible for the environment, but it looks really cool. That's the reason to wear neck rolls. Uh, we're on hate to see it. I hate to see that um, if the Vikings win this game week 17 and Kirk Cousins <laughs> plays, his record for his career will be exactly 500. <laughs> and I just look, I mean, you could debate QB wins all you want. You know, I mean, a lot of people will say, don't ever look at it. Don't ever look at QB wins. I think that that's probably not right since that guy has the most control over whether you win or lose uh, quarterback performance will be a predictor of everything, including who goes to the Super Bowl. I may have mentioned this to you before or after we started recording, but the last 10 teams to go to the Super Bowl, top five and expected points added through the pass. I mean, look, if you play great quarterback, you've got a great chance to win. Yep. And with Cousins, it was another Cousins coaster. It was another, well, start off really poor, lost some games, threw some terrible picks against this team and lost. Oh, didn't finish a couple of drives. And, whoa, man, the Lions, he just killed them. And so as I, I think that Kirk got the short end of the stick in a lot of ways this year. He played good enough football to probably win 10 games or something like that. But at the end of the day, when we're 100 starts plus into a career and somebody is 500 as a quarterback, there, you know, some other quarterbacks with big samples like this that are like 500 quarterbacks. I'm looking it up right now. Like Jake Plummer, 69 and 67 <laughs> for his career. Andy Dalton, 73 and 65. Jay Cutler, 74 and 79. I mean, these guys are kind of in the same. Mark Brunel, 78 and 73. Boomer Esiason is actually below 500 this, by a little this bit. Might be, this might be hard to do, but I'm curious. What what was his record when he came to the Vikings? Uh well, okay, so one thing with Because was he a 500 record when he got to the Vikings? Because, like, just if it walks a little like below. a duck, if it talks like a duck, if it waddles like a duck, yeah. it's probably a duck. So the one thing that I would give him is some of his early starts you can kind of throw out. I mean, he went, like, 1-7 over two years as a backup. So throw that out. Right, as a and starter. As a starter uh, with football team, 
uh, what were we calling them? The you were calling the, the generals or the something? The Red Wolves. Red Wolves. He was twenty four, twenty three, and one after becoming a full time starter. So that's five hundred record. <laughs> and as a Minnesota Viking, twenty four, twenty one, and one, which is about a five hundred record. Walks so. like a duck. Talks like a duck. And and again, I don't necessarily know if it's fair to blame Kirk Cousins for this Definitely more not. than to blame the Vikings for paying Kirk Cousins like he wasn't a 500 quarterback. I don't know. That's just me. Well, okay, my hate to see it. Right, there might be some more me on the bone, but we're going to move on because I, I don't want to bash Cousins too much. <laughs> no, but, you know, let me just say, let me just say, I thought overall he had a good year. Like I agree. A, a good total season. A he, Cousins year. A Kirk Cousins good uh, year. Right. A good, by his standards, one of his higher graded years, one of his higher statistical years, but it was a Kirk Cousins year, and he's going to end up 500 after 100 games. So I just, you know, you hate to see that. So, okay, go yes. ahead. Okay. My hate to see it is Anthony Harris not <laughs> stepping up to the franchise tag and mm-hmm. saying, F you, you should have paid me, and – going and getting the pay. Now, you could say that's a love to see it on Spielman's part, right? So you could say it, but I think it's a more hate to see it because I wanted Ant to succeed really bad. I thought he had a really, really good year last year. I don't know if it's because of the lack of pass rush that he didn't have quite the good year, but his tackling seems to have fallen off, especially got highlighted this last week against the Saints. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't the same player that we saw in 2019 that he everyone was saying, pay this man, right? Now everyone's yeah. saying, let this man walk from what I'm looking is like, Rick, get him out of the building, which I don't necessarily know if you need even more turnover on the back end of that of that defense, but you hate to see him not take that jump that you thought he could take because I really thought he was primed to be the next great safety tandem with Anthony or with uh, Harrison Smith back there, where those two could be a staple for the next three to four years on that defense. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know part of it is variance that interceptions come and go for guys. You know, right. there was the one year Xavier led the league, and then the next year he had what two or three. You know, I mean right. it's. That's part of it, and uh, I think you're exactly right that when you have Everson Griffin and you have Linval Joseph, by the way, real quick, Linval <laughs> Joseph, Linval finished with more QB pressures. He is not a pass rusher. More QB pressures than Shamar Stefan and Jaleel Johnson combined. Just a point there. Uh, and, uh, you know, but when you have the pass rush with Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin, it, it does help. It does yeah. make everything a lot better. Um, let most, me get- all po- most all pro corners have all pro defensive linemen. Just saying. It, yeah, there's no question that it, that they play off of each other. So um, last one for me on the you love to see it, I'll end on a snarky positive note, is it's over. I mean, <laughs> I don't mean just this season because there were a lot of fun ups and downs to follow. <laughs> but, over. you know, mostly, but mostly, though, angry fans. This was my first year of Purple Insider, and I'm just – I'm so happy that all the people – um, who are Vikings fans came in and supported the show, came mm-hmm. in and supported the website. And I just wish for better for you. <laughs> like, I really thought that this would be like a 10 or 11 win team and we'd be covered playoffs. And I'd be like, come everyone celebrate this fun season with us. And here, you know, and it, you know, six and 10 or seven and nine is just like the, the last. So I love to see that it's over. We could get into the off season. Cause this off season is super, super fascinating. And um, I'm just, Sorry that everyone had to go through losses to Dallas and Mitch Trubisky and, you know, things like that. So you love to see the end 2020. Go to hell 2020. It's over. My uh, if we're going to go to snarky 20 or snarky <laughs> loves to see it. My love to see it 
is the delusional Viking fan mm. that thinks we're not that far away from being back to thirteen and three. I'm now we're not far away from being five hundred. But we are light years away from being 13-3 and three and being looking at the Saints and the, the Packers and the Rams and these teams that are legit. We are a long way away from that. I know we have injuries. I know we have our own set of issues. But you can look at a team's overall being and be like, they're close. And you look at the Vikings overall right now, even input Kendricks, input Barr, input Rudy back in, like, we're not close. We've got a lot of issues that we've got to clean up this offseason. And the problem with that is even with you go get guys in the offseason, it's still a higher form of gambling. It's still a higher form of we're going to pay this guy a bunch of money and really hope he works out for the best the way we are. But to see people that are getting upset at guys that are saying, like, guys, we're just not good and we're going to be fine once everyone gets back, like, you take a step back and really objectively look at this team and compare them to other teams in the NFL that are in similar positions and say which teams are close and which teams are farther apart. Because you look, there's a lot of teams that are 9-7. and seven. There's a lot of teams that are going to be 6-10. and 10. And you can look at those teams and be like, okay, this team is primed and ready to take the jump to a 10-win team next year. And I don't see that for the Vikings. And I don't know what necessarily could make that. Is it a coaching change? Is it a bunch of personnel changes? But... I don't see as like the quick fix one guy here, two guys here away. We've got a lot of work, and it might be a two- or three-year, quote, rebuild before you start seeing what we really hope to see in purple again. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria and that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer you're going to find anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA is back in action, and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championships, and futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Um, just to tack on to that, uh, you know, I think there's been a lot of comparing of 2014 and how, you know, they went 7-9 and, and then turned it around to 2015. I think this year was more like 2013, where you were the worst defense in the league and had a lot to do and then got to, like, more reasonable of a team the next year. I think you're more in that position. I, I, agree. I agree. But that desperation, though, makes things pretty interesting. And that's yeah. what I'm thinking for the off season is when there's some people looking at this season going, we're a, we're a ways away in a lot of places and there's hot seats and there's pressure and all those things. That means some really crazy things can happen. So uh, here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to tell me before we wrap up, um, I want you to just tell me who you think is going to be in the Super Bowl right now. I I think it's going to be a Packers Bills Super Bowl. Wow, pick I the think Bills. I think here and here's why I say that. If you look at their t- trajectory of the NFC, everyone talks about playoff form, right? Got to get in playoff form. The Bills are trending up. They've had three primetime games against the Steelers, against the Patriots, and they had one other one. I can't remember who it was. And they just – 49ers. The 49ers. And yeah. they just went to work, right? Yeah. They, they they just all – I mean, I loved that they rubbed – I mean, love it. Love it that they rubbed the Patriots' nose <laughs> in it, right? They didn't – they were like, hey, Josh Allen needs to go score a touchdown to break the all-time passing record. Sure. Right? And so I think the Bills are trending up in a big way. The Chiefs are trending down yeah. a little bit. Yeah. They don't look like what we're used to seeing from the Chiefs, and I think a lot of that is the fact that their running game is kind of non-existent. Um, and when Mahomes isn't firing on all cylinders like he has in the last few weeks, now trust me, I could be eating my words, and they could go hang a fifty burger on the first round. I, absolutely, they have that mentality, they have that ability, but I just haven't seen that from them like you're used to seeing from them. It's almost like they peaked really about the halfway point of the season and kind of haven't been able to maintain that. Versus the Bills have kind of steadily taken their lumps, grown from it, taking their lumps, grown from it, and now really putting a strong playoff performance together. Where the Bills are probably going to rest starters next week. Yeah, I mean, when was yeah. the last time that happened? And so I honestly think they might even just give them a quarter just to keep them in playoff shape, right? But I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC right now, and that's not my bias because I am partial to the Bills. Like, mm-hmm. I truly believe that. And then Aaron Rodgers is just having such an unbelievable year. I mean, no one can stop the Devontae Adams-Aaron Rodgers connection by no one. It doesn't matter. I saw Twitter, there's like, I think you could throw to him on every play and it would be a completion. <laughs> I mean, like, that's what Buffalo does with Diggs. So right. And, and it's so true. So, and that defense means Darius Smith, Preston Smith, and those dudes just eating it up. I mean, Kenny Clark's an unbelievable player for them. And so they've really got the formula there on the front end of the defensive line and the offensive lines getting Aaron Jones and then this Dylan kid really rolling here right for the playoffs. I think that those are the two best teams in football right now. I will also uh, say the Packers, which that goes back. I know it goes back on something that I said earlier this year when they got run over a couple times. I thought they're just too soft, but their defense has gone the opposite way. I mean, they've played really tough. And uh, I agree with you that, you know, their offense has become pretty much unstoppable with what uh, Matt LaFleur has done for Aaron Rodgers, and he's really gotten it. and I, but I'm going to go Kansas City because of the the week off. I just think sure. it's such a huge deal. Like one team gets it now, you get that week off. And I remember last week, or not last week, last year, the Vikings arriving uh, in San Francisco. And I remember how I felt as a reporter just having to travel. And, and the week that you go through and everything else, I was gassed. 
as a reporter going back-to-back weeks on the road. If somebody has to do that, um, it's going to be really tough. But even just traveling to a place, uh, they'll have some fans in the stands probably, but their place in the weather – them fresh. I, I think that um, it's almost a testament to how amazing they are that they've won the games that they oh, haven't played perfectly, right. you know, to, to still win against Atlanta when you didn't play well for a lot of the game. It re- I think it says how strong they are. So I'm still going to, I'm still going to pick them. I'm going to go like, you know, an old school, a way throwback Packers chiefs. Um, but you know, we'll see seven teams in the playoffs. It'll be fun. Uh, this was, this was fun. This was a lot better than breaking down like three techniques being thrown down the field. Right. Absolutely. My question, I got a question for you. Yeah. Who wins the NFC West? Uh, well, I mean, uh, Seattle's going to win the NFC right. West, right? No, not, so not the NFC West. The, play, the playoff spot, you mean? Yes, the playoff right. spot. Mm, uh, blazing hot Trubisky, I think, right? Do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, is Green Bay even going to play their starters? Do they have I to? I wouldn't. Why wouldn't? You can't yeah. lock up. You can't lock up the one seed, right? Or do you, you have? Or do they have? Have they locked up the one seed? Is the question. And Dude, I was watching Andrew Siciliano talk about it on the Red Zone channel, and I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I know. I need Steve Karnacki here, like right now, to help us with this. Um, but if if that's the case, that they're set with the number one seed and they play backups against Chicago, I think Chicago wins. Kyler Murray's beat up. Uh, Jared Goff's not even going to play. I think. I mean, how bad is that going to feel for? Um, so it's going to be two. I mean, two out of those three teams will make it: Chicago, Arizona, and uh, Los Angeles. Whoever is on the outside is going to have regrets. I mean, Chicago was what five and one at one point, and if they fall out of it, regrets. Arizona was in the driver's seat. Los Angeles was a lock for the playoffs. It's been a bleep show, and I'm just going to throw it out there: someday you'll just take the best teams with the best records and put them in the playoffs. Someday, someday we'll see. We can it. hope. One that. day. Who cares if it's hope. AFC or NFC? Anyway, we can hope. this has been a, a really fun season. I mean, we'll be here next week again, but, you yeah. know. Yeah. Who cares? Whatever. Lions pack. Lions. We'll, we'll, By the way, I'm cl- if they win, I will, I think, um, I missed the one or two games there on my prediction. Let's do that next week. Let's go over, see how I did on my prediction. Okay, there, that's what we should do. Season. We should talk about things that we thought were going to play yes. out. And we can preview playoffs because we'll know it by yes. then. So, Absolutely. Jeremiah, great stuff as always. And uh, have loved, loved, loved your work and all the response that uh, people have had to it. So mm. we're going to keep going through the playoffs, but just wanted to say that. And a uh, happy new year to you, sir. You as well, buddy. See you next year. Oh, <laughs>